Welcome to the Meaningful Work, Meaningful Life podcast, the show that empowers you to redefine the life you want and live your best life. Now, I'm your host, Francine Belly, and I show purpose-driven entrepreneurs, CEOs, and professionals a powerful pathway to become recognized thought leaders in their field, increase their visibility, trust, and profitability. So join me and my guests every Tuesday for inspirational stories and practical strategies to get more meaning in your work and in your life, make the money you deserve and lead a movement to change the world. Today, I am really, really excited to have in this podcast, Michael Sorensen, who is the co-founder at Sociu. And uh, Sociu is an employee advocacy platform. Hi, Michael. Welcome to the Meaningful Work, Meaningful Life podcast. Oh, sure, Francine. I'll, I'll stay in your local language here. Uh, Francine. Bonjour. Uh, on continue en français? Ah, <laughs> uh, un peu, un peu. Let's stick to the English. <laughs> Let's stick to the English ones. That's, that's probably better for, for all this. Yeah, my Dutch, uh, you know, is not going to be that fluent anyway. <laughs> so, Danish, Danish, Danish. Danish, yeah, but Danish, exactly. No, Copenhagen, exactly. It's not in Amsterdam. Definitely not. Yeah, uh, not really. Definitely not. Yes. Um, so, Michael, welcome Doc, to Thank the Meaningful Work, Meaningful Life podcast. For those who don't know you, and I suppose that there may be a few of them out there, tell us in your own words who you are and what you do. Well, definitely, my mom is going to listen in us this one. So we got one person knowing me. So, but uh, always good to have mom listening. Oh yes, oh yes, the best critic. <laughs> um, now I'm, I'm Michael Sorensen. Uh, you can pronounce it another way. In another ways, you know, us in the Nordics, we have funny names. Uh, <laughs> so, as you as you mentioned, I'm the co-founder of the Socio which is an employee advocacy platform. Um, we founded the company eight years ago. Um, and as everyone working with employee advocacy, also as customers looking into advocacy, the past seven, eight years has been the years where it, it has really taken pace. Uh, a lot of companies have adopted employee advocacy or are strongly looking into it. Um, and there's a lot of reasons for that. And we're going to cover that a little bit later, I would assume. Uh, so yeah, that, that's where we are. And, and today we have uh, customers in more than 30 countries, I think, uh, of all sizes, uh, all industries, basically, uh, using our platform and our services. Mm. Mm, that is interesting. What would you say is the range? Uh, what is the smallest people who are on the platform and what is the biggest uh, who are on the platform? Yeah. Uh, as us doing a platform, we advise that you are a minimum of 100 people, uh, company size-wise. Uh, we do have some that are smaller, uh, but it's it's also our advice or honest advice to companies uh, that, of course, because a platform is an investment. Uh, so uh, if you are 50 people, could you do better by doing it handheld? You probably could. You probably don't need a platform. Um, so when you get into that range, and we have customers also with, with 50,000 employees, so that's a different ballgame, of course. Um, so, so so sizing does matter if it should justify the investment, of course. Yeah. 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 
Definitely, yes. I suppose that if you are fifty uh, band uh, company, perhaps yes, you may, you know, yes, yeah. it, it can be uh, manageable to do it uh, without the plus. exactly. But when exactly. you get to the fifty thousand plus, definitely mm. it's not be that yeah, manageable <laughs> to exactly. do it manually or setting some extra spreadsheet or even having a Slack channel and all those things. Yeah. Okay, good, 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 good. So uh, tell us, um, you know, what is one thing that most people don't know about you? And I hope that mom is not l listening, actually. Oh, oh, <laughs> I, I'm just ruling out all the things I don't want to go on air with. But anyways, uh, all, uh, of course, my, my, my closest friends and peers uh, knows, knows about this one. I actually made a hole in one in golf once. You did what? I made a hole in one in golf, in playing golf. Uh, and I want to spread the word around it, of course. <laughs> so, it's, a, it's a great thing for someone playing golf. Uh, yeah. so, uh, you know. oh, definitely, definitely. That is a big achievement. Big achievement. And of course, no luck involved, only skills. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I started to play golf and I gave up a bit, but perhaps I'll going to start again at some point. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, yeah, good idea. Good idea. <laughs> okay, so okay, tell me, Michael, what's your background before you came to this wonderful world of employee advocacy platform? Yeah, things. What did you do before? I have actually been working the past 30, 35 years with starting companies and building companies, uh, also helping a couple of other companies in doing so, uh, and then leaving those companies again, selling them or something like that. So you could call me kind of a serial entrepreneur. Serial entrepreneur, wow. Yeah, to, to that sense, I... Uh, 35 years ago and before that, I tried the, you know, the big corporate life. Uh, it wasn't for me. So, uh, <laughs> it's not for everybody. Quick... It's like Marmite in England, you know? Marmite, yeah. you like it or you don't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's the same kind of comparison, you could say that. So, so, uh, But then uh, that was a good revelation for me. So I knew what I had to do. Um, and also, you know, not to be a control freak or anything, but, you know, you could kind of like when you're setting out companies and starting that, you can be independent, of course, uh, in decision-making and so forth, of course, in respect of your partners. Uh, but, and and it kind of, I kind of like that. Uh, mm -hmm. So I just continued doing that. So somewhat by coincidence uh, and somewhat by, by thought. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I can't blame you. I can't blame you at all. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, um, so tell me, you know, what did you want to do when you were very little, when you wanted to, you are like a serial entrepreneur. Is it something that yeah. you were dreaming about when you were a kid or did happen totally by accident? I No, totally by accident. Uh, I'm that old that in those days, the, the word serial entrepreneur wasn't even around. So, you know, startups, scale-ups wasn't around and all that. So I... I think there's two things that, that I can recall. Uh, one was a pro soccer player. I wasn't good enough for that, so I couldn't be that. I'm not the new Mbappé or something. Uh, and actually, the other thing was to to take over my uh, grandfather and grandmother's farm Ooh. because they, they had a farm. I was there every summer. It was so nice. And uh, I could see myself having a little farm. So uh, maybe a little bit there about the independence. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> and then yes, yeah, so this, this didn't happen actually. <laughs> no, it didn't happen, unfortunately. Yeah, Were they disappointed that you didn't take the farm? <laughs> oh, I, I I think I the new thoughts came around, you know. I grew up, I got a teenager and I went to business school and all that, and then I kind of left those <laughs> those thoughts behind. <laughs> So uh, I think that's where they came from. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, and now, how did you end up specifically focusing on employee advocacy and then co-creating yeah. or co-founding this platform, uh, Socio? It actually came from, I, I, I would say, a career-long uh, wondering. I, I was very quick uh, to to add an account to LinkedIn when, you know, almost when they started out many years ago. Uh, and in those days, LinkedIn was like showing off your CV a little bit. Uh, it was not really uh, the platform it is today. Uh, yeah. So, but accordingly, when I joined these different companies or started companies, I, I more and more saw that how could you take advantage of all those business opportunities uh, and also marketing, branding opportunities, uh, recruitment opportunities on LinkedIn in a smart way. And until five, six, seven years ago, you could do that either by paid or paying ads uh, on LinkedIn, or you could post something on your company page uh, and hope and pray that somebody saw it. <laughs> uh, and and of course, a lot of companies are doing that today. Uh, then I went through the, the, the time where from marketing, social media, and so forth, there was a very big, uh, that was probably eight, nine, ten years ago, people were not focusing on building communities mm. on social media, uh, but only focusing on, uh, you know, customer communities, uh, for companies at least, uh, and some very big communities were built, and that's actually where, you know, the concept of a follower was made, mm -hmm. that you could follow a company, um, but then it kind of puzzled me that, okay, we are very good at building communities with customers uh, from social media, which makes sense. Uh, we are very good at making uh, content, uh, catchy content and all that, all the formats flowing in videos and, and what, you know, memes and so forth. Um, but how come we have forgotten to build a community for our employees on social media? Uh, how come all businesses have forgotten about that? They are the closest to your business. Uh, they are the ones carrying your brand all the time. Uh, they are the ones that hopefully are very happy at working at your company. So why don't we offer them a, a community opportunity? Um, so that's actually where the thought stemmed from. And then, of course, I went to Google and found out that other people have had that idea before and were already at it, <laughs> creating yes, it. Totally. You always found out the idea yeah. you think was unique. <laughs> 10,000 people are uh, doing that already. <laughs> oh, it's not. I, I would still say there were a limited number of, uh, of competitors back then. Um, and that's also why I said, hey, why not? Let's, let's try and build something. So I called a couple of friends, uh, one that could code and one that uh, were very good at also building companies, say, hey, should we try and look into this? Um, and then I, you know, 
uh, before we even had a product, I went out and sold it to three customers uh, just by showing them some some PowerPoints. <laughs> this is what we want to do. Very, very small MVPs on PowerPoint. Yeah, anyway, it was the smallest MVP you would ever know. Um, and I even forced myself not only go to, you know, friends or, or connections. I also went totally canvas on companies. I never done business with before or spoken with before. Um, it was kind of a test, of course, also to see what would people say about this. And what was their um, reaction when you showed them, especially the one that you didn't know at all? Yeah, uh, I sold the first meeting I had uh, with them. I sold it. Mm. She, she, she was a marketing director and uh, she said, Michael, I want to buy this. When can you deliver? <laughs> because what, what, uh, made them, what, what made them buy into that? Because that's ah, yeah. you and uh, what what pains them? Do you remember? Yeah, I do. It it was uh, it, it was a very large uh, IT consultancy company and she was very foresighted and she said, hey, uh, there's a lot of IT consultancy companies uh, around, uh, but they never market their consultants. You know, thought leadership, corporate influencing. So uh, she said, this is a brilliant way of marketing our great experts, great consultants, and so forth, more than the brand, mm -hmm. uh, especially. Because when you buy from knowledge-driven companies, you buy you buy people, right? Uh, and their brains and what they can do, their expertise and so forth. So so that was actually what triggered her the most. And then of course also the the amplification opportunity. Uh, as we spoke a little bit about before, you can post something on your LinkedIn company page, but you can only post like two or three posts a day for, for certain companies, right? So, but she said, hey, all the content that we are producing already that we are already paying for being produced. Yeah. That that never hits social media. Yep. Right? <clears throat> that can now hit social media because employees can take it to their networks on uh, social media. Mm -hmm. And and that is actually a thing also today. If I look at all the customers I meet, uh, both in pitches and all that, I always touch upon this subject. Uh, and I uh, I don't have the exact numbers for it, but I think I'm quite right in saying that 90% of the content produced in an average company today never hits social media. Exactly. exactly. And that's a really a pity because also if you look back as a company and say, okay, uh, all of that content, let's say 100 pieces of content or 1,000 pieces of content, what's actually the cost of producing that content? And what's the ROI on all that content? Because it's kind of like uh, a lot of marketing. So many people, including myself, <laughs> we are we are chasing this new content, new content, new content yeah. all the time. But we don't sometimes stop and say, hey, what's actually the cost of this? And what's the ROI of this? Um, so, uh, so that's a big argument today. And a lot of our customers actually buy into this argument and say, hey, you're totally right because we have, uh, let's say, a company with 2,000 people. They, they, If you look at their website, uh, they have thousands of pieces of content that, that could be utilized. Mm 
yeah for for interruption yeah 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 that is fascinating yes what you say and uh you know starting with this mvp on powerpoint mm. building yeah. a platform that you have people around 30 countries you mm. say serving people yeah. in 30 countries so um and then you can see now how actually employee advocacy uh you actually i think is on your post on your feed that i saw last time linkedin recognizing employee advocacy as one of the key uh marketing tools among bmb b2b now right yeah and and, and even better uh they actually uh, there was a report you're correct in, in in the linkedin post i did uh that they made this they make this yearly um uh questionnaire for a lot of cmos i think 2000 cmos globally um and uh, what they found out there that's actually for the first time employer advocacy is considered a metric for your brand health and that is quite a big word, revolutionizing, because if it's a big metric for your brand health, then it 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 should really, for many companies, be something that that you want to look into, um, because that is from the perception of two thousand CMOs in all kinds of industries, countries. So, so there's some brain trust behind this, of course, or some experiences, I would say. But from my experience, and when I talk to people also about mm. employee advocacy, you can see two kind of people, actually, two kind of, mm. you know, categories of companies. So some who get it quickly as mm. <laughs> hopefully your, you know, luckily your woman uh, that, uh, you know, when you even show okay. SVP. And other people, you don't really, who don't really get that idea that their employees can become their best brand ambassador. Mm. Do you can how can you um you know consider that they are very very happy to go and hire influencers on Instagram, but mm. not willing to empower their own employees in house mm. to yeah. be brand ambassador. How can you tell what 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 are the main you know reason why you think that people actually sometimes do not want to you know mm. empower? Mm. I use empower rather than you know, leverage, yeah. because it's about empowering people, you know, to yeah. become brand ambassador. What do you think is uh, the mm. uh, the reticence <laughs> for the company I, to get it? Yeah, I, I meet that too. Um, it's, it's really about the personas you are talking to, what mm. they are working with. Uh, as you were mentioning, influencers, they are buying uh, or spending a lot of money on influencers, mm. some companies, right? Uh, which is all good. Um, I think uh, the companies you have stumbled into there, and also me sometimes, is companies that are still very uh, put up in silos. Mm -hmm. So they have a silo called marketing. They have a silo called HR and for branding, talent attraction. They have a silo called communications. And they don't talk together. <laughs> right? So the guy or the girl you talk to that are spending all this money on influencers, they they don't have any uh, KPIs on them to involve employees. They are uh, put in the world or they have this job because they need to do marketing. And they only think marketing. Uh, so in their perception, uh, they don't feel that they should take care of employees as, as brand ambassadors. They will probably also sometimes say, hey, it's not my table. Uh, talk to 
uh, brand management. And if they say it's not my table, talk to communication, and then you go back to communication. <laughs> so I think it's really about how the company is organized. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's another big trend that really supports employee advocacy is that a lot of companies are now breaking down these silos yeah, and saying, you know, HR, communication, social media management, uh, <laughs> digital marketing, marketing, branding, CMO, you have to work together. Uh, because, you know, uh, when we implement employee advocacy programs, who knows our employees the best? HR. They know how to communicate to, to our employees and with our employees. Uh, who knows branding best? Marketing, so me, branding. So why not work together? And that's also what I see with very successful employee advocacy programs. They have all stakeholders from these different units represented uh, in the employee advocacy program. And that's the key to success for, for, for many companies. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so I think that that is the differences uh, and the two kind of types of companies today, the siloed ones and the ones that have you know broken down all the silos mm-hmm. and, and have seen the advantages of working together in this business unit. Mm-hmm. I love, I love the fact that, that you are actually um even di- and this is the biggest you know headache in organization coming from an organization consulting background where mm. people actually work in silos. And here is the opportunity actually that a discipline called employee advocacy is going to give you the yeah. opportunity actually to break down those silos. To break them down, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and now yeah. talking together, right? You know, as you say, there is this silo called marketing and this silo called HR, this silo called whatever. And I love that. I haven't thought about that before, actually, in that way, in the way that you are kind of um, turn, you know, um, you know, articulating that, which is brilliant, actually. This is, and actually, some of the case study that I've seen, you know, that Dell, Adobe, and all those mm. very early um, mm. brands that actually adopted uh, employee advocacy, they actually found that people were working a lot more together, collaborating yes. much more together. As you say, because there is somebody from each different unit, how mm. can you not talk about all your department thing and seeing how you can you know, harmonize and uh, streamline things? You know, mm. if the HR, rather than just being with only HR hat, can get the marketing people to work together, work on a very good campaign to attract, um, you know, new talent, that is definitely going to be much more successful for them just HR to work with their HR jargon. That is not going to attract anybody. So- uh, No, exactly. And it also goes into the work when, even when you have, uh, you know, all of the stakeholders present, uh, a very funny thing is so I usually do this in workshops and stuff like that. So you, if you have somebody from social media or marketing or something and, okay, we're going to do employee advocacy uh, and then we have in our platform, you, you can, of course, write, uh, you know, a background for why you are trying to nudge certain employees to share this on social media. Uh, normally, a marketing uh, professional would say, well, it's employees. I'm just going to write here's the content. Please share. <laughs> uh, then, if I ask the HR person, they say, "No, no, no, no. That's all wrong." I would write, "Hi, everyone. Uh, as you know, 
we are running this or our ESG and so forth, they will write a meaningful reason for employees to partake, <laughs> right? So there are big differences in the perception uh, of what we're doing. And that's also a skill set that people need to learn in employee advocacy, uh, because also maybe marketing says, well, then we're just going to send all of our content to all employees. Mm-hmm. Every day, they're going to get all of our new content. And with yes, you know, it's kind of like spray and pray, we call it. Uh, and of course, that won't work. Uh, whereas we say, when you do uh, employee advocacy, you need to look at all your beautiful content. You need to tag your content. So if you, for instance, are looking for an engineer specializing in water and you have three job posts, who would you then invite to spread this on LinkedIn or share this on LinkedIn? You would invite your existing water engineer because it's more likely that they have professional water engineers in their network that would be interested in this kind of concept. So relevance is the most vital driver in employer advocacy. So marketing can recognize that because they are used used to work with targeting. Uh, personas targeting and everything. So they already know. And and then, of course, they have a eureka moment and say, of course, we're going to do that. Uh, so, you know, for our salespeople, they are going to get the latest cases we have or white papers and, and all that. Uh, and as, as mentioned, our engineers is going to get our greatest new articles or, you know, we're building a bridge over here and, and you were part of it. So, because then you will also drive a much higher employee engagement. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that what you're saying is great because when you have like content, I think that one of the um, key factors obviously that makes employee advocacy, especially when you have like a lot of content out there, if you have content that is targeted very well to different type of um, you know um, uh, role, that is even better because if I'm in marketing and then you send me some kind of technical um, description of a bridge to share, so what does that have to do with anything yeah. that I, yeah, well, I'm doing? So I'm not going to share this. My connection are not going to be interested. So obviously that's yeah. not. And what about the other aspect of the employee advocacy where people themselves create their own content, like they yes. are in live of, how do you facilitate that aspect mm. of uh, other people themselves creating their own content? We love it, of course. I love it. it uh, it's, you know, UGC, user-generated content. Everybody loves that. Um when it comes into perspective of employee advocacy, uh, and do get me right here, um, we are not focusing on those people. Why are we not focusing on those employees? Because they are lit by the holy fire. They are going to do it. <laughs> Anyways, whatever you say to them, they love social media. They, they know how to do it and everything. And we have to remember that those employees even though they are great asset, they only represent between one to 5% of our employees. You know, they are the ones that are positively always liking our stuff on, on LinkedIn. They are posting themselves and all that. So it's beautiful and it can be cultivated. But when starting out with an employee advocacy program, if you haven't had anything before, 
what you should focus on is all the silent employees that are not doing anything today. Uh, because can you move uh, them up on the learning curve? Mm-hmm. That's the positive effects of employee advocacy, at least for the first year or for the first two years. Uh, so again, I'm I'm speaking with my customers a lot about you have to respect the learning curve of employees. Yes. You you have to applaud. Uh, someone that is just sharing your content without anything else and user-generated content equally uh, and you have to value it equally. Okay. It, it It's very important that you do that uh, because otherwise you can also, if you only focus on, on UTC or user-generated content coming from a small amount of employees, then you could be sitting in a thousand employee company where it's actually 50 people that are doing your branding on behalf of the company. And nobody wants to sit in that situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's you have to look at it a bit like that. Uh, and again, all the love in the world for, for the ones that are doing their own posts. And you can facilitate that. You, you can nurture it. You can enhance that group of employees. And it actually comes back when we talk more fact-based uh, for instance, LinkedIn uh, latest two reports, I think, uh, stating that it's actually only one percent of LinkedIn's nine hundred and thirty-eight million users that are doing their own content. Yes, I know that too. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yes, yes, so, and, so, uh, yes, exactly. And like you, I don't know if you are also part of. I was part of the first million of LinkedIn, and exactly. it is very, you know, back in two thousand and three or something. But yeah, in now. You know, it's amazing to see 900 million of uh, users. And as you say, yes, very teeny tiny, you know, this 1%. Sometimes you think that there's so many people generate content, but it's only 1%, actually. (laughs) It's it's, it's a great, uh, I see it as a great opportunity. Uh, It's it's not a problem, it's an opportunity. So the better you are at doing corporate-wide, everyone is enabled with employability in in your organization, the uh, the closer you are at releasing those opportunities. And if you're still sitting and haven't broken down the silos, haven't started yet and so forth, the further you are away from not releasing those opportunities from for your company. Uh, and you could break that down and then the competition will take over those opportunities. But, you know, that's a scare scenario. So, so we're not going to do that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. No, that's totally right. So, you know, companies need to see that as an opportunity, actually, and uh, opportunity to breaking the silo. If 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 just that reason is big enough already, the reason to start. You know, <laughs> yeah, you know, the end goal of employee advocacy, and I will not take credit for this, but uh, one of my great customers, a, a large enterprise, I I, uh, I had the pleasure of, of her participating in one of our webinars, as she stated, um, she was asked, uh, now talking about silos and everything, who should take ownership of employer advocacy in a company? Very good question. And she, and she had the best answer in the world. She said, she was in communication, communication director. She said, we in communication, HR, whatever, we should not take ownership of employer advocacy. Ownership of employer advocacy should be by our entire organization. It has to be the organization that owns employee advocacy. 
meaning everyone. Uh, and I think that, it's going to that, be the past, though. Somebody, not all the fifty thousand people are going to go. No, out. no, no. <laughs> who, who should be the first one? <laughs> yeah, exactly right. But but I there. think it re it really <laughs> makes sense uh, that that should actually be the end goal because if you can manage to get the entire organization own this, then you are then it's self driven uh, and it's a, a thing, a culture thing as well. Yeah. So you actually match the culture with 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 doing it. Yeah. Definitely, the culture, uh, you know, is how we do things here. It has mm. to be part of how we do things here. Definitely part of the culture. So I was going to ask you, Michael, what is the prerequisite? You said uh, earlier, so I can just make a bridge between that. That actually is best for companies to have first of all content that they can drive and then obviously if other people are generating content that is going to be uh, added to the top so in general what will be a prerequisite you know for a successful employee advocacy implementation in any organization mm -hmm. um I, I think we touched upon it a little bit uh, that the at least two of the business units we mentioned communication hr and so forth needs to acknowledge they have to work together on employee advocacy. That's one of the prerequisites. Uh, of course, we on the selling side, we try to positively promote that when talking to customers. So many times we have the first meeting with communication or marketing or HR alone, and then we actually put it to them, say, hey, successful employee advocacy is about you working together with your peers in those business units. Should we take a second meeting? with everyone present that would be interested in this. So so that, I think that is the major prerequisite. Uh, um, management backup, of course, also uh, doesn't necessarily have to be from sea level, depends on the size of the organization. It could also be on, on, on function level, of course, the communication director and so forth. Um, content, don't think about content because you're already doing content uh in in most companies uh so you don't have to make special content uh so 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 that is not a prerequisite uh we have kind of like a mantra say hey leverage what you already have because you already have content you hopefully have employees <laughs> and you are already having your your corporate social media channels in place uh and 90 percent of your employees maybe except of blue colors are already on LinkedIn. Uh, so you have everything in place. So you don't have to think about the practical prerequisites of doing that. Then the final thing as a prerequisite is, of course, as you were mentioning, culture. But again, that's a difficult question because who measures culture today? It's not every company we stumble into, right? So we have a sense of that our employees are happy working for us. And of course, you can start looking into retention rates and hiring rates compared to competitors and see uh, how popular are we <laughs> in essence. But again, that's actually what employee advocacy can also do for you. Because let's say we do this and find out uh, that none of our employees actually wants to share our content. <laughs> will, <laughs> will that bring us value? And I would claim it will bring you the best value you had for the past 50 years because then you actually know that, that there's no ownership of, of your company amongst your employees, and you would at least have a chance of doing something about it. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a it's also a litmus test. Yeah. Both to your branding, your content, your culture, your a- ability to create employee engagement. Um, and of course, it can be a bit daunting, a bit frightening, <laughs> some to say. Uh, but again, uh, it, it's worth the risk, mm-hmm. I would advise. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So what would you say is the best, um, um, you know, incentives that you've seen out there for people, you know, mm-hmm. to make sure that this is something that, first of all, is adopted and then also sustained? in the in the um you know in time yeah, yeah. Mm. i uh for one uh, has um an opinion about when we talk about uh incentives mm-hmm. uh incentives is a broad spectrum you know it can be uh you you get a gift card or <laughs> you know you get a digital trophy or something uh my personal opinion is that it's a very small percentage of employees that actually thinks that is fun um, to to have those kind of incentives. Uh, it, hey, it's grown ups, you know. It's <laughs> they don't really trigger on that anymore. But again, coming back to leverage what's already there or what you already have. If I was an engineer uh, and I, for a lot of reasons, haven't shared anything on uh, on LinkedIn, for instance, uh, through the past five years. Uh, you know, I'm only watching, liking, whatever. Uh, and then all of a sudden, I get an email or a Teams message, Slack message, hey, he has great content about the bridge you were actually part of that we built in Vietnam or something. Wow. Uh, can I share it? Yeah, just click the button here and you can share it. And that is actually my first share on, on LinkedIn. Can you sense it? It's I'm proud. It's an incentive. It comes from within. I'm involved. Those uh, people in marketing, they actually thought of me that I could be an asset mm-hmm. in sharing this. Mm-hmm. So I'm more to intrinsic incentives. Yeah. Yes. You know, as you this podcast is all about empowering people. Yes. Making them proud, reminding them of, them of that you are important mm-hmm. to our company mm-hmm. uh, because you actually helped draw, design this bridge and, and make it happen. Uh, that is why we are sending you this great article uh, that you can share with your peers on social media. Uh, so I'm, as you can sense, more leaning into to the intrinsic uh, yes. incentives of people, our emotions, our sense of belongingness uh, through involvement, engagement. Because I go out and work with a lot of customers and then sometimes I ask, so when is the last time you you involved your employees in what you're doing on social media or your branding campaigns or whatever? And then everybody's sitting with a big question mark in their head. <laughs> Uh, we can't recall no, <laughs> but, you know. So, yeah. and, and and in that way, you can explain why the, this incentive in element is is so important. Mm-hmm. Um, and that also comes back to a lot of the companies we work with. Is also you know, semi or highly regulated companies within pharma, finance, governmental, and so forth. And and in in those areas. It's more like 
I'm not sharing anything because I don't know what I can share, when I can share it, and on which social media. Uh, it's more like a social media policy guideline thing. Um, and a lot of those customers actually uh, decided to go with us because then they could have a digital social media policy or guideline for employees. So they could like that. They could say, hey, everyone, we know you would love to share if you just know these three things when you're allowed to do it, which content, and so forth. Uh, so we have facilitated that now. So without any fear, you can now start sharing uh, the content that, that we produce as well. Mm -hmm. Mm, yeah, that is very, very, uh, uh, you know, uh, interesting exactly to share that um, the uh, rewards are much more intrinsic. And I've yes. seen that also in many, many case studies that mm -hmm. the reward, the, the one that um extrinsic or like you have like a small prize or stuff like that, it, mm -hmm. can, it can come a little bit on in that, but it shouldn't be the big the bigger part of um, you know the incentive. The incentive have to be people are proud. They are really engaging the culture, building something, collaborating mm. with their colleagues, and sharing great best best practice between each other. Rather than mm. um, you know those uh, you know yes, I'll share. Do I get the bonus type of thing? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And also, it's in, in employee advocacy terms, it's measuring for. Uh, more hard incentives, it's really difficult because we all have uh, different networks on social media. Some of the employees might only have 300 connections on LinkedIn. I have 15,000. So already there, it's unfair. <laughs> it's an unfair competition if you only use those metrics to decide who gets the incentive, right? Yes. So, so it, it's really, really hard. And also incentives and so forth can in many cases be used to game the system yeah oh my gosh yes <laughs> yeah uh and and we don't want to go down that route because no. that's not healthy that's no. not healthy yes definitely yes uh, people know how to game the system and get even buying followers even some people are buying followers now i really haven't you know this is another discussion <laughs> yeah that's why another discussion. somebody <laughs> wants to buy some followers i have no yeah. <laughs> just oh, vanity true. matrix okay so um you know tell me uh, michael what what is one of the best case study that you have for your mm. you know employee advocacy so far uh what you have done can you tell us uh, one of your best case study actually certainly can uh my baby my darling uh, is an, a big engineering global engineering company called rambo uh, about 17,000 employees. 17,000. 17,000, yeah. Yeah. Uh, be, they've been our customers uh, for the past six, seven years, I think. Uh, and very uh, long story short, <laughs> they started out with a, with a smaller, in their case, POC, including only one uh, division with three, 400 people, I think. Uh, three, five months. Uh, and after that, I said, hey, bring it on. Let's have all employees on. Uh, and let's invite everyone and, and so that we can give everyone the opportunity of participating. So that was done. And then they ran it for three, four years. And then uh, two amazing people that I also had in for, for a webinar. Um, and for 
probably a lot of their amazing colleagues. Uh, they started uh, two years ago, I think they started out in uh, building a kind of, in their words, engineering superstructure on their employee advocacy program. So they, at that point, recognized, okay, now we have moved that many employees on the learning curve that we spoke about previously, that we now have a demand for a certain group of people that would like to learn more. How do I do my own content? How do I do videos? How can I express myself uh, with the brand and so forth and so forth? So, of course, uh, them being a fantastic company, they said, let's grab this opportunity and uh, facilitate it. So they created, a, they even asked the employees, what would you like this program to be called? And a lot of quest, uh, or suggestions came in and they ended up with calling it Blue Bus. Mm-hmm. B-U-C-C, etc. Uh, you can find it on the hashtag on LinkedIn. Blue, blue Bus, uh, like blue yeah. and bus, like blue, like color blue. Blue. Uh, yeah, and then B U uh, set set or you know the what what's it called? Set, <laughs> the set. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. yeah. Blue, yeah. Blue okay. Bus. Blue bus. Okay. Uh, check that. <laughs> hashtag before it. Then you can see a lot of things about it. And uh, actually, also what they did then was they uh, started recruiting employees from Ramble for this program that would like to uh, take part. And uh, the cool thing about it is that they did it publicly on LinkedIn. So they actually wrote posts. Hi, Rambo colleague, do you want to join? We do the blue bus and everything. And then it could go to landing page, sign up and everything. But that showed the rest of the world, you know, what a company. They, they are recruiting their ambassadors on LinkedIn directly. I think they also did something internally, but anyways, it's still cool. Um, and of course, they, they have made a great program. And, and then I think the participants there, they once a month, there's a webinar where people can learn new things and they take individual talks. And within those two years here, um, and it's just on the top of my mind, so <laughs> the numbers here, I think they recruited um, almost 800 employees in this superstructure mm-hmm. uh, with a huge success. But bear in mind, they still have the 16,000 other employees that are all good, you know, just sharing quietly yeah. and doing so. I don't want to be forced into yeah. Yeah. positioning yeah. myself and, and so forth. Yes. That so that is 800 very strong advocates, yeah. actually, ambassadors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, doing user-generated content, essentially, yeah. um, and, and liking it and thriving in it and, and so forth and positioning themselves. Um, that, and that is, that, that is really a, a very cool setup uh, for, for companies. Yeah. Like and what's the company name again? Rambo? How do you spell yeah. it? R-A-M-B-O-L-L. L-L. Yes. Rambo. Okay, cool. Yeah. Okay. Wonderful. And then what is your worst case study of your series? Oh, I, you can't reveal, I can't reveal. I can't reveal. invented us very big, great yeah. success. What is your miserable, most mm-hmm. miserable, miserable, um, you know, <laughs> example? <laughs> I, and, and honestly, of course, there has been some. Uh, I would, however, say in our seven, eight year history here, uh, our what we call churn rate of customers is as low as five percent, so okay. which is really 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 low. So essentially, ninety five percent continues with the yeah. programs. That's uh, 
Yeah. Uh, and of course, I cannot put a name on the worst ones, but we, no, don't we, put the name. Just tell us no, what happened. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I honestly think that um, some of them, a couple of them, as we spoke about a little previously, uh, is a lot about uh, that the culture wasn't there. Uh, you know, amongst employees, uh, those were the ones cases there where practically no employees shared the content. Uh, and of course, we tried to work with it and we tried to, you know, together with the companies and trying to find out why is that. And I could sense uh, on some of those two, <laughs> I could sense it was simply because they had a really bad culture in the company uh, and they shouldn't probably have bought our platform in the first place uh, because they, I think also they bought it kind of like a remedy for a bad culture. Mm -hmm thinking that you were going to make yeah. a miracle. You have a pill, blue pill, to make the whole thing yes. nice. Yes, yes, And <laughs> I, I know about those ones too. <laughs> yeah, I should probably have recognized that before uh, even letting them sign the contract. But, you know, <laughs> it's it's hard sometimes. Uh, and we do still run into companies with, with uh, those issues, those problems. We have, though, had one of them actually came back and uh, we had a, a sound talk and they said we have been doing a lot of other things to turn the culture around we would like to try this again uh, and and with good results for them good for them i love that absolutely how people absolutely. come back say okay we fix our culture let's try again yeah. that is wonderful yeah. i love that wow yeah um, so now, do you have like this kind of cultural fit or some kind of assessment fit to get to, you know, tell people, you know, this is going to be good for you if you do this, 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 this and that. And this is not going to be good for you if you are doing this, this, this. Do you have something mm. like that or you just let yeah. self-select? <laughs> I, I, I think we, we, we base it a lot on when, when we, uh, our platform is one thing because that's a platform of metrics, distribution, uh, you know, all that stuff, uh, all good. Uh, but uh, besides that, we also offer, you know, consultancy, guidance, help. So we always do all of our customers. Uh, of course, we have some fixed things, uh, framework, uh, but we do them uh, or talk to them individually, uh, you know, deciding what are your KPIs, where do you want to go? What's your success criteria? And which is kind of like the the most interesting <laughs> question around employee advocacy, the success criteria, because there are so many different success criteria. Uh, some companies are only focusing, which I think is very, very good, on employee engagement. They say, Michael, all good, the earned media value, the clicks, the business and everything, we love it, but that's a side effect. As long as we can see that 60, 70, 80% of our employees are involving engaging themselves in the employee program, we are happy. And I think that's a very clever statement because without that, you will not get the other stuff. That's true. Right? So, and you will not enforce the culture, empower people, and all that. Uh, so I think it's very, very sound to focus uh, very much on uh, employee engagement and involvement. Uh, and of course, success criteria can 
there can be others, you know, we, we want more people at our webinars and we think our employees for leadership, corporate influencing, you know, there's a lot of things <laughs> in employer. We see, uh, we have hundred vacancies we need to fill and uh, employee referrals uh, and so forth. But again, you can't go about the first six secretary employee engagement because otherwise you won't have the other stuff. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so that is quite vital. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I love that. So employee engagement, first of all, is the the yeah. the, 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 the key. And uh, because if people are not engaged, they're not going to share in the first place. So obviously that is going to be the key. And then you have also yeah. talent attraction. Do you also get mm -hmm. people who want to have more sales because of that? So like uh, much more mm -hmm. like uh, reach, network reach or... Yeah, you know, yeah, sure. Reach. Sure. Uh we have companies or enterprises where, you know, sales is a department, a group, and so forth. And they, as we talked about previously, get relevant cases, whatever can help them content-wise in, in uh, attracting more clients or catering existing clients on social media, doing social selling and all that. And, of course, they are measuring in a different way. <laughs> uh, they are more looking into how many conversions do we get, you know, uh, do we get new leads, clients to the table and how uh, does it affect me as a salesman in that company? Do I get more connections on LinkedIn uh, to speak to and, and to promote my services to? So, of course, there are also uh, those uh, facilities uh, and, and those success meters, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you think that some, some companies, I heard some people saying last time, you know, just uh, thinking of employee advocacy, that they would like, first of all, to focus on their sales team first. Have you no. seen that as well? Because they say mm. that, no, because we just want to say, no, you know, because this is for mm. the whole culture and the whole company. Yeah. They say, no, we just want our salespeople. So they are looking at that as a sales tool, like another mm. kind of sales, mm. social selling, actually, rather than what mm. employee advocacy is all about. But I yeah. can actually sometimes get the point why some people just wanted to test because they may say that those people may be perhaps the most, you know, will see some re raison actually, some understanding mm. why this is a good thing to mm. do mm. versus mm. somebody who is in HR or in a repair mm. technician department that may not really mm. engage mm. You know, public like uh, salespeople do. What do you think? Mm. So, is it a bad mm. way of thinking that starts first of all sales uh, employee advocacy with the sales team, sales and marketing mm. team? Well, uh, that's a very big question because sales is a lot of things. <laughs> you know, it's you 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 know you can you you can sell uh, telephones or you you can sell consultancy services and and so so it's a very big question. Um. I would apply it in a way. It's very, very seldom that uh, we we get that brief from a potential customer. Mm -hmm. uh, very seldom. Um, however, of course, we get it when it's an enterprise that wants to break down KPIs. Okay, we have sales over here. What should their KPIs be with employer see? We have HR, you know, with uh, vacancies, employee referrals. How can we measure that so that everybody feels successful? So that's another thing. But um, we're testing it out only in the sales department to get more leads or get more sales and everything. That's very, very seldom. 
um, that I think also it's we are not doing outbound to sales departments uh, isolated. Uh, our outbound is more account based. So, so we say, okay, if we should sell social employee advocacy platform and all our services to an enterprise or 2000 people company, uh, we approach all the silos, even if they're not there. <laughs> Communication, it's <laughs> uh you know, uh, social media management and so forth. So that's our approach to to try actually help them in assemble the right stakeholders to run a successful employee advocacy program. Mm-hmm. Um, because uh, that that is one of coming back to prerequisite. That is really a big prerequisite yeah. for for successful. Yeah. Especially uh, when you come with this mindset of breaking down the silo. Now, yeah. just people focusing on sales only is a bit like defeating mm-hmm. purpose, right? Good. Oh yes. <laughs> yeah, and that's also what you mentioned with with the test. Uh, we don't do uh, tests with uh, customers. Uh, we don't have try for thirty days or something like that, because we have to be honest about. As the example with Rumble, they've been doing this for seven years. So I would claim, in in based amongst their competition, they are the star because they have believed in the concept. They have been true to the concept. They have been positive about the concept uh, in a lot of years. So my best advice would, of course, also from a sales angle to all other, say, you you cannot do a test of it. You can do, let's say, for a year. You need at least 12 months to find out if this effective for my company. Mm-hmm. And if you sales see again, you associate, you have 95% chance of succeed. So <laughs> let's, let's take that into another thing. Uh, but... Again, it, it, you need time to run a covered-wide employee advocacy program. Okay, thank you, because that was going to be my next question to ask you how yeah. long it takes <laughs> roughly to actually succeed in uh, an employee advocacy program. Yeah. So at least 12 months is the answer. <laughs> you I would know. definitely advise that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Make it, uh, yes, uh, run for, this is for the long run. Run, you know, is um, yeah, it's not going to be win where you know things are going to you know come very quickly like that. When sometimes you know, company just wants that they want to the as remedial as you say. A lot of companies yeah. often those kind of solution as remedial. Say, oh, okay, let's use this, and then I need to get in three months a lot of sales of this and that, etc. So yeah. it, it's not going to happen, and 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 it's. For instance, again, coming back to Rambo, um, actually this year um, and posted on LinkedIn also, uh, they can route 67% of their new hires this year or the past year is coming from employee advocacy. Mm-hmm. Think about that number, 67%. They are hiring in and around 800 to 1,000 people every year. Wow. So 60-70% of that uh, of those hires is coming from employee advocacy. That's very impressive, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and that is like the compounded interest, <laughs> the compounded uh, good, yes. uh, um, yes. you know, consistency of, uh, you know, running that. Yeah, you, you know, social media for, for uh, either candidates actively seeking for a job today or candidates 
passively seeking for, you know, the grass might be green or the other place. So <laughs> all that. Uh, they The first thing they do, all research says that, they, they check out social media. They check out the company on social media. They check out if they know someone within that company. Uh, do they have some peers they can ask and all that. It's the number one destination for either passive or active um, candidates uh, looking for, for a new career. And it, essentially also for graduates and talents and, and so forth. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. This is what I was explaining to one uh, guy last time, where he was saying, yeah, you know, what will be some of the uh, benefits of managers, for example, to be on social media? I say, really, if somebody wants to join your team, if you are active on <clears throat> social media and they see you, they see, you know, they can learn a little bit more about you and mm-hmm. see you as somebody they want to work with, that is much more positive. That is positive, actually, to attract <laughs> talent that way. Because if they don't know who you yeah. are, they might not know who, but if they love what you do, they say, oh, wow, I'd love to go and work with this person, actually. So uh, I actually, that that's actually, when you're talking about managers and all that, I actually, uh, coming back from the question of uh, what's the prerequisites and so forth, and people are worried about management, I always advise them, uh, well, why don't you do the three-minute C-level test? And then they, of course, say, what's that, Michael? <laughs> you go to your CEO, and you take your computer, and you show him the latest post you've done on uh, your LinkedIn company page. And then you tell him, hi, Carl or Linda, uh, whatever his or her name is, mm-hmm. uh, would, would you like to share this on your LinkedIn profile? of them will say, yes, of course. All right, please do so. They share it. And then you say, that's cool. Why did you do that? And then they say, well, then people can see uh, our latest post on LinkedIn, and maybe they can click on it, and I know all that, they say. And then the third point, you say, would you like for all our employees to do that as well? Yes, of course. End of story. So that's the sea level test, right? Okay. What, if then you have... what if they see guy doesn't share? So what he doesn't want to share it. And then he back. and he say, no, <laughs> certainly not. I don't want any employee to be sharing anything. They should be doing their work yeah. rather than playing on social media. <laughs> then you should wait. Then you should wait with employee advocacy until you have a new CEO, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> but again, it's I, I think a lot of uh, us or people, you know, sitting in communication and all that, they have kind of like a a a thought set that our our C level colleagues, as I usually call them, mm-hmm. uh, the CEO, the CRO, the CMO, all the Cs, that uh, that they are somewhat opposed to uh, to employees being active on LinkedIn. And all the ones I've talked to, I haven't met one yet in the past eight years that were opposed to it. Mm-hmm. So it might come from the the head of the employees themselves who just assume that they are assume. managers and they see people are going to yeah. say no, actually. So it yeah. might come from there. That is very interesting, actually. So, sometimes I've seen that happen, actually. Uh, and then talking to sea level in other uh, circumstances and the most I've met, they, they are very positive. And they think, hey, I'm the, I'm the CEO or the CMO or whatever of this great brand. Of course, I want to uh, show people around me where I work and our great projects and our vacancies and all that. Why shouldn't I? Otherwise, I shouldn't be sitting in this chair. 
<laughs> on sea level. That would be stupid. <laughs> then we have to talk to the board, right? <laughs> that makes sense, actually. So there may be perhaps some layers in between that blocks it, that then, in this case, because sometimes people underneath, they kind of refrain to do anything because they're afraid that, ooh, this is not going to be perceived well. So I think perhaps there is a layer in the middle that is the definitely. block that needs to be talked about. Definitely, definitely. Now, yeah. Just on that note, so what would you say to people who just don't get this concept of employee advocacy? Why mm. should they do it? Briefly. Mm. And I start to do tack, 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 tack. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I, you know I, I, I would move totally away from the word employee advocacy and actually go back to explaining what is this about. I would probably say you have a thousand employees, right? They're all on LinkedIn, or at least 90% of them are. Would you like for them to share your company content? Just give me three yeses on that, back to the syllabus test. And then they understand it. Uh, it's because you put a concept yeah. that for some are unfamiliar, uh, expecting them, you know, that, that goes on with a lot of people, expecting them to know everything about that because they are in a certain position. And that can be frightening for a lot of people. You get my point? So, yes, I get it. I get it. That, yes. That's normally the reflections I get. So if I put it in another way, yeah, then people come up with an entirely different answer. Okay. Because for some, an employee advocacy program mm -hmm. can sound, as, as a managed level or whatever, very expensive. Mm -hmm. If you instead phrase it like, we would love for all our employees to be engaged in our brand and what we do on social media. And hey, they're already there. We already have the content. Should we do something about them sharing it? That doesn't sound expensive. Mm. Yes, that's that right. sounds that sounds like a good thing to do. Right? So, feasible. feasible and desirable. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, so that's good. So um, so then um how can people start? let's say that okay people say mm, okay this is a good idea where should they start now okay you know now they say okay yeah okay yes of course yeah I'm let's right. go let's go <laughs> so how how should we do it now <laughs> yeah I, I think yeah i think uh, <laughs> we of course have what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah we of course have our framework uh where, where we essentially hand over all of our experiences uh to that certain company uh with a lot of other uh, customers that we've been working with. So why not piggyback on the successes as we used to say them? So you can do it like this and that. And uh, of course, there are some, some keystones here. You have to get, you know, training, understanding of employee advocacy. We will see to that. Uh, your employees have to be introduced. What's going on? What can you do? Why are we doing it? And you can ask questions as well uh, on, on this. Uh, so those are actually very, very important things to do. Um, all the other stuff, the platform can take care of that. So no, no worries, <laughs> it will do that. But of course, all the things that plays around with people and, and how they interact and what they can do, what are the limitations, what's the purpose and all that has to be explained and distributed as knowledge to, to employees, which again is the most important factor here.
Oh, that is wonderful, wonderful. So now we're going to come to the end of the program, uh, the, the podcast, the, the last part, which is all about the three M, meaning, mm. money, and movement. So what do you get meaning or inspiration from, Michael, in your mm. life, in general? Um, it, it's a great question and lovely that we can do stuff like this, but because how many <laughs> times are you asking yourself that question? <laughs> <laughs> Every when you are brushing your teeth, <laughs> yeah, yeah. probably have to do it more, more, more frequently. That's true. But what first comes to mind when I read the question? My family. It, it, it's my inspiration and it gives me meaning. Uh, music and what we talked about in Italy, golf. I love golf. I'm a golf nerd. So stuff like that. Uh, relations, meeting new people like you here today, Francine. It's it's Hello. such a pleasure. So I think that the, the small bits of life, uh, putting value into those. Yeah. yeah, that's it. Thank you. Yeah. So, you know, having uh, all those relationships coming from uh, life and our, yes, day-to-day -day, uh, interaction with our, you know, loved one. Wonderful. So now I feel very, very generous, Marigal, today. I am really actually generous. And I'm going to give you one billion pounds. Wow. <laughs> UK pounds. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, one billion pounds. That's what would money. you do with that? And how would you spend your days? <laughs> you know, uh, pondering on that one uh, took me some, it, yeah, it took me some time. And then I found my inner hippie and oh. I wrote, I, I would spread happiness. Oh, in which way would you spread happiness? Just happiness. I don't know. I could be giving away the money. Or, one you know. billion pounds to spread happiness. You can just yes. go out now and start spreading happiness. Exactly. Exactly. So uh, that that's essentially what I would do, probably. Uh, you know, uh, make people happy. So. Yeah. So, okay. That's good. You're going to give it perhaps to your charity, actually. So that means perhaps, Michael, they, they, perhaps... The, the the answer to this question is that you are just living your one billion pound um yeah yeah you could already say yeah, yeah exactly. so you don't need any exactly. one billion pounds no. oh no, they would come in handy those but anyways <laughs> okay so now how do you want to be remembered for that is one of my favorite questions uh very plain and simple mm -hmm. i would like to be remembered for just being a nice guy Oh, I love that. That is yeah. nice. No complicated, simple. <laughs> That's enough for me. If uh, I'm considered a nice guy, I'm good. <laughs> that is wonderful. I'm sure you're living your legacy already, as uh, being known as a Likewise. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And now, how can people reach you and learn more about you and your work, Michael? They are more than welcome, everyone listening here. Uh, see if you can find my funny name on LinkedIn. S-O-E-R-E-N-S-E-N, -E 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 Michael Herabeth, uh, under Sociu, S-O-C-I-U-U, -U, uh, W at the end, uh, or Sociu.com. Uh, search for Employee Accuracy. I'll probably pop up somewhere um if my uh, my SEO guy has done the right work. So, <laughs> but you never know. So, no. 
I'm I'm easily found on LinkedIn and on our website. Okay, thank you. You are one of like me. I think that uh, it's going to be difficult to find another Michael Sorensen on LinkedIn. Right? Oh yes, oh yes. That's <laughs> that's the advantages of having a stupid, uh, difficult name. <laughs> me too. It's difficult to find another one like me. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so so much, Michael, for joining me today. I really really enjoyed our conversation and uh, you know learning all about what you're doing fabulous on uh, employee advocacy and also sharing your insight and i really truly appreciate that and keep up the good work likewise and thank you so much for having me well that is it for today and before we go don't forget to subscribe to the meaningful work meaningful life podcast if you love what you've heard the show notes of the episode are on my website francinebelay.com slash podcast Once you are there, you can also take the free personal branding for impact test. It's only two minutes and you will discover the score in seven key areas to improve your career or business success through personal branding. It's quick and it's free. I will see you next week for another episode of season nine. Until then, dream, act and make an impact. Lots of love.